Welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper. Today, Charlotte interviews an erotica and horror author, so listeners should be advised that there will be explicit language and topics of a sexual nature. Hello, this is Charlotte Bond, and I'm pleased to say that today I'm talking to the woman who first got me into writing, known alternatively as Janine Ashbless when she's writing erotica, and Caris MacDonald when she's writing horror. Janine has been a published author since 2000. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Hello, Charlotte. So Hello. Thanks, thanks for inviting me on this. Um, okay, so um, I live in the north of England. I keep greyhounds and I own a tiny, tiny patch of woodland, which I love to go out and cut trees in. Uh, I'm a middle-aged geek. I like to travel. Uh, my literary heroes are Lovecraft, Lord Dunsany, Arthur Macken, M.R. James, the classics, um, Alan Moore, and Angela Carter, and my favourite modern horror writer is Thomas Ligotti. And after this interview today, I'm going to go out and watch Gods of Egypt, which I know is going to be absolutely crap, but I don't care because it's got Gerard Butler in it playing the evil god set, and that's enough to make me happy. That's enough to make a lot of us happy, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I also write uh, erotica. In fact, uh, that's my main genre that I write in. I do write some horror stories, but mostly I write as Ginny Nashbliss, and I write erotica um, with largely a fantasy theme. So I've had um, uh, a couple of... Uh, novels um, which are based on a sort of uh, swords and sandals low fantasy uh, world um, I've done um, Heart of Flame which is an Arabian Nights romance I've done Red Red Roses which is a vampire horror um, I've done Named and Shamed which is an utterly filthy contemporary take on fairy tales and fairies um, and uh, three volumes of short stories, all with different horror, dark fantasy, um, paranormal um, type themes to the erotica. And I'm currently writing a trilogy, which is um, sort of Dan Brown meets Twilight, but with sex, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is a sort of um, a fallen angel con religious conspiracy thriller type tri trilogy, um, which I'm really into at the moment. So, yeah. So you've got pretty much every single genre covered. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I like my fantasy and paranormal genres. So, uh, so and some some of it is sort of some of the stuff I write is towards the romancy end, um, and sort of angsty and emotional, and some of it is more towards the very 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 explicit rude end. Excellent. Well, this is obviously a writing podcast, and we'll be talking about that in a minute, but I'm afraid I have to ask before we go on. You own Woodland? <laughs> yes. Yes. As of this year, I own Woodland. Um, when I was in my 20s, um, I did a, a forestry course, and I was um, trained up in, in looking after woodland, woodland management and, and tree care, and um, it's always been an ambition of mine to have my own bit of woodland that I can get out there with my chainsaw and... Um, clear things up and you wow. know, just generally sort of live there and <laughs> live there is it in your back garden well or? no 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 it's it's a little way away but uh yeah camping definitely fantastic <laughs> that sounds great okay on to your books let me ask you what made you choose erotica as a genre to get into I, i'm not even sure i chose it it sort of chose me uh, a friend gave me um uh, a black lace book and it happened to be a collection of arthurian short stories and I was just knocked out by this. Um, I, you know, I read through this and I thought, oh my God, you mean there really is a market? I can write down all these stories that have been knocking around in my head ever since I was 
you know, teenager, all this exciting stuff I wanted to write, um, but I thought was too rude. And, you know, just the revelation that there was actually, that it was possible to publish this sort of stuff um, just delighted me. And then another friend uh, gave me, um, because he didn't like the first book that I <laughs> he gave me a book called Macho Sluts, which is by an American author called Pat Califia, uh, which is very, very hardcore lesbian BDSM. And he said, this is proper erotica. And I read that and I was just astonished because it was so well, well written. Hmm. Um, and sort of so between the two of them, um, this idea that, that you can write erotic fantasy, but it doesn't have to be rubbish. It can be really, really well written and intelligent and, you know, you can put your heart and soul into it. These two books inspired me. So I sat down, I wrote 11 short stories as a, a collection. I sent one off to Black Lace, to uh, Kerry Sharp, who was the uh, the editor at the time, um, and said, are you interested? And she said, yes, we'll have that story for an anthology and I'll publish your book. Fantastic. And that was it. That's how I got into it. <laughs> it was so, yeah, I started off with a collection of short stories and I've done novels and more collections since. Fantastic. Well, I was once part of a discussion about the difference between erotica and pornography. Uh, we came to the conclusion that pornography was often visual and was very much a form of instant gratification, whereas in contrast, erotica was often written um, and involved the use of your imagination more than responding to images. So what's your take on it all and the difference between them? Um, I'm pretty cynical about this, I'm afraid. I think <laughs> that um, what it boils down to is erotica is stuff I like and porn is stuff I don't like. <laughs> That is um, one way of looking at it. I think that it's, a, it's an artificial distinction. I think it rises out of um, snobbery and uh, embarrassment about sex. And we want to say, oh, no, some things are not good enough for me. Mm. <laughs> and you call that porn uh, when you're talking about writing anyway. Obviously, there is a continuum. I mean, at one end, you've got the sort of readers' wives and the sort of penthouses, sort of... Um, which are very simple and they're just intended to get you off and it goes all the way up to this terribly literary stuff which is also intended to get you off but um, can include lots of existential angst and <laughs> banging on about the human condition and stuff but I don't think there's a dividing line I, I think, think it's very personal and subjective I think it's uh, yeah. that sounds very sensible but what made you decide to branch out from erotica into horror I didn't. I actually started writing horror before I started writing erotica. I've been writing horror stories basically since I left university. Mm. Um, uh, I fell in with a group in my, the first job I was in, which was in a library in Reading. Um, and we, uh, I fell in with a group who liked to write short stories and read them to each other. And we were all very much into the ghost stories of M.R. James. Mm. So I started writing Jamesian ghost stories so I've been doing that for 10 years before I even touched the erotica it's just I've been much more successful and more prolific mm. with my erotica writing um, so it's more a case of what sells better rather than or certainly personally for you that rather than perhaps what you're interested in and if you sold better in horror do you think you'd stay mainly in horror I, or would you still be drawn no, back? No because I think I have way more ideas about the <laughs> um, I do enjoy writing horror but it's it's very much a case of reaching into your, the dark part of your soul and trying to find something uh, something new that you haven't said before. And it, that's quite 
difficult. But don't um, you find the same with erotica and you're always trying to find a new way to describe genitalia or a new way to, you know, say how mind-blowing an orgasm was or something like that? Do you not have I, the same difficulty? I just find it easier with erotica. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And, and, and obviously that it's more rewarding in the sense that it's, it's um, more eroticus more positive and uh, <laughs> you can feel really sort of great about having written a, 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 a horrific horror story but it doesn't make you feel upbeat whereas <laughs> you know erotic is a rewarding and pleasant <laughs> genre to actually write sounds like very sensible um so if you write stories that are designed to frighten your readers uh, what exactly is it that frightens you um do we mean when writing sorry with fiction okay um things that frighten me in fiction are a lot of the stuff that sort of i think based on things that i read as a child mm. and that frighten me and the fear goes on into adulthood so for example something i find really horrifying in in fiction in the movies is is the, um, the idea of a claustrophobic death um i don't know there's a book called the weird stone of rising gammon which was written by Alan Garner. It was a kid's book. Um, it's got a long chapter about them trying to make their way through a bunch of mines uh, in Cheshire and they have to do this sort of thing where they crawl down this incredibly tight tunnel and, and then it dips and it goes on, it does a dog leg underneath so instead of crawling on your stomach you're crawling on your back and there's no way back out and then Ooh. it dips underwater and it's just the most horrific thing I've ever read and so claustrophobia that sort of um, being buried alive thing I find very horrific um, I find mirrors quite scary mirrors um, yeah especially at night in the dock and I think again that's based on something I read when I was young as a, there's a story by Gerald Durrell of all people called mm. The Entrance um, which is about a man in a big old house and he's there's things lurking around in the mirrors and it scared the out of me when I read it for, um, for years and years and years so I was very nervous and nervous um, and the same thing uh, things looking on the other side of doors or appearing around doors um, there's a lot of classic ghost stories mm. with that sort of thing in it you know, things like Thurnley Abbey and stuff um, just the idea of you know things creeping into your room that scares me um, but that's in fiction in real life um, a cruelty to animals I find can actually induce um, a real panic state in me. I, I don't like that, and I don't like reading about it. No. So there's a very strong split between what I enjoy reading as horror and what I actually find. Yeah, so really, you enjoy reading really the stuff that scares you, but yes. you don't enjoy reading about the stuff that horrifies you in real life. That is correct. Absolutely. So what are your favourite horror tropes, and conversely, which do you really hate? Uh, as an erotic author as well as a horror author, we at Breaking the Glass Slipper would be very interested to hear your thoughts on the trope that the virgin is often the one that survives in a horror story. <laughs> yeah, okay, what I like is what I think you call high concept horror. Hmm. Um, so things like spatial impossibility, um, you know, ghosts calling out of videos, um, uh, you know, towers where you can walk up a certain number of stairs, but when you turn to walk back down, it just keeps going on and on and on. Hmm. Um, sort of places that are there want when you go the first time and then when you go back they're just not there you know this whole sort of idea that reality uh, warps and uh, can't be trusted mm. I, I very much enjoy that sort of thing in horror um i don't like slasher fiction 
fiction. I don't like torch porn. Uh, I don't like protagonists who are dumb. I think it's... <laughs> Um, I don't like lazy writing where um, the author just or the protagonist just says, I don't know why I uh, I felt I had to go back into that house. I knew it was really dangerous, but I went in anyway. I think that's... Yeah, that's I think we're all face-palming ourselves on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, people who, who know something's horrifically uh, threatening and yet they insist on poking it with a stick. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not good. No poking. Uh, but, and I don't like the virgin survivor thing because i think that's that's a sort of um judeo-christian hangover from the you know the idea that uh, if you have sex that you're not worthy to live you know you know it makes you so sinful that you might as well die i think mm. that that's actually really judgmental and, and there is a sort of quite um a judgy and um uh retrograde thread through mm. quite a lot of horror where you know you do something bad you or you deserve to die or you do something sexual you deserve to die and mm. I'm, as an article author i don't think uh, sex is sinful so so if you found one of these tropes within a, a book or a movie of the the virgin it's very clear because let's face it in these movies it's always very clear when she's lining up does that make you want to turn off or do you kind of watch it to the end and just kind of go i'll oh, just ignore that bit um Oh, I'll watch it to the end, but it it's but you won't be happy about it. It, <laughs> it, it, it takes away from my enjoyment. I, I think it's lazy. It's it's a it's a, it's just um yeah. Writing tropes is okay, but you got to do clever things with it, mm. and don't just sort of skate along the, these well-worn lines. What did you think of? Have you seen the House in the Woods by Joss Whedon? Yes, yes, that was. I quite like the way that moved all the tropes around, and particularly the Virgin. <laughs> yes, he did that, and it, it, he made it sort of quite clear that yes, it is a it, it is a well worn sort of cliche type trope, but within um, the culture, the American culture mm. is is where it specifically applied because there were other cultural there tropes were. for say Japan or other parts of the yeah, world. Yeah, it was fascinating. So, yes, yes, and the idea that it wasn't just a trope through, like you say, lazy writing; it was an actual trope for a more symbolic religious reason. That's I thought correct. was quite a nice way to yeah. do it. Yeah, no, I thought that was that was clever. That was good. Going by book covers alone, it appears that erotica is dominated by female authors and horror generally by male. Um, is that what you have found? Yes, but. Uh, we take it with a slight pinch of salt when it comes to erotica because there's a very, very long tradition of men writing erotica uh, under female names. It sells better. Mm. Um, it makes women readers feel less nervous. It makes male readers feel more titillated. <laughs> it, it, no, genuinely, no, it's no, the way I... it works. You know, they, they like the idea that there's all these kinky women out there writing, <laughs> writing all this stuff. Um, so some of the uh, female names you see on erotica covers are pseudonyms mm. um, with male authors behind them. But yes, generally speaking, uh, the erotica genre, which is very small, mm. is female dominated. It is female friendly. Mm -hmm. um, most of the editors are female. Um, it's not like romance, which is a vast genre and can get very political and very bitchy. Erotica is really supportive. Mm. Um, it's really open to new writers. Uh, most of the calls for anthologies, in fact, Almost all the calls for anthologies are open, so mm. it's easy to get into. They will pay you for your work rather than expecting you to chug out lots of uh, free <laughs> stories in order to make a name. That's so very it's, true. It's actually it's a really good, supportive genre for women writers to get into. 
Excellent. I'm full of positive things about about erotic. <laughs> so there we are. If we've got any budding writers out there in our listeners, then the uh, the key is definitely if you want to get paid and get exposure and get good editors, go for erotica. Yeah. And have yeah. a lot of fun doing it at the same time. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, given that many eroticas are women, do you consciously think about female empowerment or, empowerment or other gender issues when writing in that genre? And do you find that you think differently when you're writing in the horror genre? Um, yes. Yes. Okay. When I write horror, I don't write as a woman. I do not write from a gendered point of view. Mm. I mean, obviously, I've got, I might have protagonists who are female or, or yeah. male or whatever. When I write um, erotica... It is always at the back of my mind, sometimes too much. And in fact, just sort of recently, I, I found myself second guessing myself a lot when I've, uh, you know, it's just because I spend so much time on Facebook and I'm reading all this gender politics stuff. And then I'm worried about being judged by people for what I'm writing. And to be honest, that's a bit of a pain. I would I would rather be able to put that aside um, and just write the stories because um, I do have to think about gender roles and I can use it sometimes um, transgression is a really important part of erotica mm. um, so if you've got things that make you uncomfortable I believe strongly in using that discomfort to make a story more powerful mm. um, to make it more tense you can use it to make it more erotic or more horrifying because mm. transgression obviously Absolutely. matters a lot in horror as well there are a lot of similarities, in fact, between the genres. Um, structurally speaking, they're, they're, they're quite similar when you write a short story. Sorry. I'm really sorry. Oh, that terrible groaning noise in the background is not some guy I've got tied up in a corner. It's my dog, Caspian. He's just making <laughs> grumpy noises because we're talking too much. He is. I'm I so think he'd, sorry. He'd much rather we were sitting there petting him and he's making it very, uh, very obvious. But we have sent him away now. We have paused and sent him away. So do carry on telling us about transgression and short stories. <laughs> oh, dear. That's really... I'm sorry. I've got the giggles now. That's okay. <laughs> Um, horror and erotica are sort of similar as well in that you, you, you're both in both genres you're aiming for a, a very sort of visceral or a, a really physical response mm. um, they're similar in that you've got to worry about your readers getting jaded and um, you can't end up in a sort of arms race where you get more and more gory or more and more ridiculously uh, sort of extreme or mm. you're going to burn yourself out you've a lot of um so you need good pacing yes. for both yeah because i imagine that once you, uh, certainly when you read romance because i'm a, a big fan of romance yes. there's very much a case of there's a lot of build-up for about two-thirds of the chapter and then they kind of have sex and then it's sort of the tying up and everything but yep. obviously in erotica the whole point is they're supposed to have sex quite on so you can't almost peak too early you've kind of got to keep it going in the same way that with horror you can't have the big um, scary creature come out right at the beginning you've got to find ways of pacing it and teasing it all out yeah um, and if you're writing an erotic short story actually you can't launch straight into the into the sex straight away the, or at least not if you're you're writing something with a, with a lot of sort of power and mm. and and uh, electricity I mean you can if you want but then it's it's much more like a vignette than a story mm. if you're writing a genuine story the structure of a, of an erotic story is really similar to the horror thing and then you've got the sort of build up you've got the foreshadowing you've got the build the, the tension between the two people and then you sort of end on the climax that's it you don't have to tie the tie it off at the end mm. it's 
that's the, the sort of shock horror bit at the end. Fantastic. <laughs> Something we've bandied about at Breaking the Glass Slipper is that female villains are often portrayed with weaknesses which are typically seen as female, such as vanity or pride, or particularly being very overly sexual. Given that a lot of erotica is about the female form and sexuality, do you find any challenges in writing characters whose main attributes might make them villains in a completely different genre? That's a really interesting question because it's something I had never considered sort of consciously. Um, the book I'm writing at the moment is, uh, it's a, as I said, it was a, it's a sort of thriller re- slash religious conspiracy thing. It has hot sex in it. Um, I've got a character in that who is certainly an antagonist and villain, I think, in the end. Um, and she's female and I have to work quite hard to make her evil or bad in a way that is not as you say sort of um because of her sexuality Mm. um i'm trying quite hard not to make it clear whether she's very promiscuous or not um because yeah that i think that would be inappropriate whereas if i'm writing full-on erotica um and not so much towards the thriller side of things, it's not a problem because um, those things don't make you a villain in erotica. It's a genre that has its own conventions. Mm. Um, There's no slut-shaming, for example, in it. Um, It doesn't make you villainous if you're overtly sexual, if you're uh, sexually rapacious or whatever. It Mm. just... And uh, the characters in it don't treat you as a villain and your readers don't see you as a villain hmm. in that sort of thing um even in sort of really old-fashioned sort of spanky literature written for men and stuff you know the convention is everybody likes sex all women like sex they're all up for it they're not terribly fussy about who they do it with um <laughs> it doesn't upset anyone it never has bad consequences everybody's happy it's a sort of it's quite a sort of rose-tinted hmm. um a view of the world but that's the convention with the gen- within the genre just as it is in the con- the convention within the romance genre, mm. which I also count as erotica for, <laughs> for women, <laughs> that, you know, days, that, yeah. that men can do things that in real life or in another genre would look awful. Mm. But within the romance genre, that's, that's, um, it's not just allowed. Um, it doesn't upset the the, the female characters. Um, you know, they can be sort of what we would, we would, they can act like jerks and it's the convention is that that's permitted within romance. Mm. Um, so when you write a villain or villainess rather for erotica, what kind of attributes do you like to give her instead of the, the traditional ones we've just mentioned? Ah, um, so, for example, your current one that you were talking about a minute ago, what uh, traits has she got? Does she, does she have a, a flaw that she's particularly vain or have you stayed away from stuff like that as well? Um, she is really powerful um she is a user she has um uh, i think what's going to boil down to narcissistic personality mm. disorder um she's absolutely ruthless and will have people killed for example <laughs> so these are not particularly sort of mm. um feminine 
as it were. No, but it's interesting what you said about her being a user because you were talking earlier about um, how all the, the women are up for it and we should add all the men are up for it mm-hmm. in erotica and romance as well. Uh, neither side are particularly picky about who they, <laughs> they do have sex with. But it is all very, very consensual from what I've read and even the, the woman who is saying, oh, I can't possibly do this, eventually ends up not only doing it but wanting to do it and enjoying it. So yes. it is incredibly consensual whereas obviously having someone as a villain who is a user then that is one thing that you can exploit that yes can turn them into a villain without sort of turning it around and making like you say promiscuity being something bad it's being the non-consensual side that turns them into the villain rather than anything else yeah okay so uh back to uh fantasy and horror so your most recent project is a collaboration with fantasy author adrian tchaikovsky and scenario writer adam gauntlet to create a collection of lovecraftian tales Tell us what attracted you to this project, because obviously Lovecraft has been a controversial topic recently since the World Fantasy Award trophy was remodelled. Personally, how do you divorce the misogynistic and racist views of a writer whose, let's face it, interesting style and unique monsters have inspired countless horror writers throughout the generations? Okay, right. I've got three things I've got to say about this. First is um, I am a huge Lovecraft fan. Um, I discovered his uh, his books in a, our local library when I was seventeen, I think. At the same time, pretty much as I as I found M. R. James, and it was just transforming, you know, mm. sort of mentally speaking. I just love his ability to create his own worldview and to suck you into this sort of um, existential sort of vertigo, where mm. you know you can you can be convinced it's terrifying to live in a house with. You know, an antique roll-top desk <laughs> just because it is older than any man living or, you know it's just yes. his ability to do that I think is extraordinary I love his work um, that's the first thing I've got to say the second thing is he was a gigantic racist I am really relieved that they have changed the bust for the world hmm. fantasy um, awards um, because their awards that are presented to people who are not necessarily Lovecraft fans. Mm. And uh, to give it to someone who could feel genuinely hurt by it or, or uh, would be just sort of mean and sort of pointlessly twatty, frankly. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm glad they've changed it. Mm. Um, Lovecraft is for those who consent to Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> um, I divorce the man from the work and I, this is going to sound a bit sociopathic possibly um the way i divorce it is because i actually in the end think that what we write is more important than who we are Mm. um people die and they're forgotten books live on um the only reason that anybody cares about some paranoid sad guy who died of cancer in the 1930s is because he wrote these incredible stories his Mm. stories are bigger than he is so i think that's how i I managed to split my opinion of the the writer and the books i Mm. think books are something that come through us and they're not necessarily attached to the author at all Absolutely. And I mean, writing in the erotica genre, I've had plenty of erotica authors who come up to me and say, oh, you know, I've had fans come up and say, I didn't didn't know you were into all that really kinky stuff. And, and they're like, but 
I'm not because my my own personal views aren't necessarily reflected in my writing just because my heroine finds this really titillating doesn't necessarily mean that I do and I think obviously it's going to be the same with Lovecraft that his that his racist views aren't necessarily going to come through and it isn't necessarily going to be tainted in the same way that you're not tainted by your own Roshko. It's kind of working it backwards, but you see what yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's sort of that, that's sort of in, in reverse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There, are, there are Lovecraft stories I am more uncomfortable reading hmm. than others. Um, certainly, um, I think yeah. Obviously, his, his racism is very explicit in some stories, less so in others. But um, yeah, I, I think that. There is a division between the writer and the written product, the written story. And I think it's the story that matters in the end. Absolutely. So we often ask our interviewees to give us a pitch for their current work in progress. Uh, In particular, how might you pitch your horror stories to a man who is resistant to the idea of reading horror written by a woman? And we were discussing this just before we we came on the podcast about maybe writing under a pseudonym and whether or not you think that is a good idea to encourage more male readers to read stuff like horror written by women. Um, Yeah, I would tend towards writing under pseudonyms. And to be honest, I hate the idea of pitching, trying to pitch my books to anybody that prejudiced. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And no spoilers either, I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, If I had to, I would tell him that I bet he can't tell whether my horror stories are written by a man or a woman um the fact is okay psychologically i'm not terribly feminine in myself or 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 in my writing i don't think i do call myself a feminist um but i identify as a writer first uh, before i identify as a woman um i do think it's the, the story that counts um can i pitch yeah, yeah, go for Can it. I pitch the, yes, the, the, the up, upcoming anthology is called Private Life of Elder Things. This is the one with Adrian Tchaikovsky. And Adam Gaunt, yes. Mm. And I've got three stories in it. Um, I've got one about the Dreamlands, which has a terribly proper old lady English narrator. Excellent. Uh, one about ghouls in America, which is set in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. And um, I was honestly quite surprised it got past the editor because... It has a sexual encounter in it that there is just no way, if you wrote it as erotica, you could get it published. <laughs> it is that offensive. Wow. <laughs> but you can write it as horror. Getting uh, it in the, the back door, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I've written a big uh, King in Yellow historical period piece as well. So, yeah, they're all very different. They're all brilliant. Of course. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, I look forward to reading that and I'm sure we will be reviewing it at some point. Thank you very much, Janine, for talking to us today. And thank you to Caspian for the dog for his little cameo halfway through. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you for listening to that interview by Charlotte Bond with author Janine Ashbless, also known as Keris MacDonald. This has been Breaking the Glass Slipper and we look forward to seeing you at the next recording. Goodbye.